Welcome to episode 141 of SDGC for Thursday, March 21st, 2019. If you're not aware, Super Deformed Gamecast meets right here every Thursday night at 9 p.m. where we discuss the latest gaming headlines with a wide variety of panel members and guests. We also do a whole bunch of other stuff as time allows, uh, like a separate show about movies and television, community game streaming, and a mental health support show. If you've been along for the ride so far, welcome home. And if not, hey, feel free to stick around and maybe throw us a follow. Every single podcast is archived the next day on YouTube or on a podcast streaming service of your choice. Uh, and you can find us on, uh, well, actually, I just I just jumped ahead in the script. It's fine. Wow, just, just run with John, it. John, perfect. Buddy, buddy just, just run with a, it. This it's is, fine. We're on brand. Good. No, 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 Zach, this is fine. We're on brand. Keep going. Perfect. Oh, listen, boy. listen. So... That's the script. We're out of the script. We have a guest tonight, <laughs> Matt. Now, before before I introduce the group, the group, our guest, Matt, please save me from my fumbling hell. No, no, I'm gonna let you go with this. I believe in you. This is fantastic. Z- this Zach, is why. Zach, you're the host, man. You're the host. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just a, I'm just a voice right. on the podcast. All right, all right, fine. This Justin, Justin, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Zach? Zach is so uncomfortable. So, so toasty here in hell. So toasty here in hell. <laughs> Brandon, Bra- Brandon, my shinobi, how are you? <laughs> Brandon's so embarrassed he can't even talk. He's like, fuck, why am I cool. on this podcast? No, this is great. This is great. John, how's oh, it going, big man? Zach, trust me, this past 45 seconds has just been really It's really so good. Yeah. What it, I like to do every Thursday is put my tummy in knots at nine o'clock. It's, it's fine. very, it's fine. I love just, it. you know, but you know what? Another couple months of introducing the show by yourself and you're going to get, yeah. you're going to get real used to it, dude. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of you. I'll Thank say you. that much. I, we're all, we're all proud of you. We really are. Thank Zach. you. We all love so, you. Thank you for the support. So listen, we actually have topics. It's not just going to be me here fumbling. Uh, We're going to talk about Sekiro. We're going to talk about Google Stadia. And we're going to talk about that Nintendo showcase. But first, we wanted to talk about NPD. The U.S. uh, sales chart came out earlier this week. We've got Matt here to kind of break it down with us. Matt, can you kind of give us a rundown? And also, for people who maybe are listening for the first time, can you kind of explain NPD and what they track and what they don't in case they don't know? It's all dead. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. So my name is Matt. I'm the U.S. video game industry analyst for the NPD group, which is the, which is basically the, um, the, the, the I'll call it the premier uh, sales tracking firm, particularly when it comes to full game sales, console sales, accessory sales. Uh, we are, we try to be the current, the data of currency or the currency of the market or something about currencies and being reliable. Uh which is about as good as your intro was. So that's kind of what we do. Which I'm on brand. Matt, Matt brings like, it. Anyways, it. God, Matt making it fucking spicy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, anyways, no. So we we track everything in the uh, in the U.S. video game industry when it comes to the to hardware, software, accessories, and everything else. So, um, and this month was February, uh, which just came out earlier this week. And you know some of the things that. Um, uh, folks have kind of been expecting to happen have happened. So, for example, Nintendo Switch continues really well. Uh, the best-selling console in February continues to show growth. Um, those big Nintendo evergreens like Super Smash Brothers continue to grow. But the one game this month that really popped up that that got a lot of reaction from the internet was Jump Force. Huh. Uh, which, which was 
who 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 are okay all right matt I'm, i don't so like who actually didn't think this was gonna sell a lot of people apparently really? uh and and a lot of people were using the word weebo and i'm not really sure still we- who that is it's it's weeaboo i believe weeaboo weeaboo do yourself a do it matt weebo. matt, matt you weebo. haven't met, you haven't hard. googled it have you uh, you know, I try not to don't, Google things. Don't, 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 just don't. When it comes to anime, yeah. I just uh, I sh- I know better. It's uh, but anyways, <laughs> be very very. It careful. was the second the second best selling game of the month. It was the the third best launch ever from Bandai Namco ever. Like we go, our tracking goes back wow. to 1995. Wow. So um, when you look at the the scale of success <laughs> of Jump Force, it took a lot of people by surprise. Um, and, and not to discount uh, Anthem, of course, which came in at number one uh, and the second best launch ever for a Bioware-developed game, uh, which is only behind uh, Mass Effect 3. That's wild, especially given the response to the game. Yeah. I mean, and who knows, right? Like, expectations are all over the board, and, and how something performs relates to those expectations, and unfortunately, we can't give hard numbers. Um, but overall, I, I was actually pretty surprised by how strong it was i i know you said you can't give hard numbers for anthem but uh do you if you don't have it off the top of your head i want i won't blame you uh but can you contextualize how well mass effect 3 sold in its first month do you know off the top of your head or ballpark uh i believe it was the best-selling game it launched in march of 2012 it's been a while uh i don't know off the top of my head that's fine. Uh, but when you compare it to like Mass, it was bigger than Mass Effect 2, Andromeda, right. Dragon Age. Like, uh, those are some pretty big uh, games. Fucking Mass Effect yeah. 3 launched ahead of that. nine fucking years ago. Like, or seven, seven years? I'm sorry. Seven, seven, seven years. Yeah. Jesus Math Christ. Math is hard for you, John. It fucking is, yeah. Zach. It's really fucking yeah. hard. Thank you. But I but I think, like, I mean, Anthem is really surprising. The discourse, I mean, it's really hard to, to judge that game's genuine perception with major audiences because someone so many of us are plugged into like video games twitter which definitely has some loud things to say about anthem <laughs> um but but beyond anthem and we'll kind of see how those sales go even into march and see um because i think at the end of the month ea said they were hoping they would hit like six million in sales worldwide i think which is a big yeah. number um big considering number. yeah it's it's a big one um but another story that kind of came out was um how well metro did right yeah yeah, so Metro did well in a couple aspects. So um, it ranked number eight in the month, which you know uh, some people have said was disappointing. But when you actually look at its performance against the prior games in the franchise, uh, like it was almost fifty percent bigger than Metro Last Light, and did set a new franchise launch month record. Um, and that is, and when you look at the PC side. They've released some numbers around PC um, saying that their last light to Exodus comparison was even better on the PC side. Now, there's lots of things involved there, and the, the comparison's kind of difficult to really parse out what it means. I mean, but overall, like, really strong growth in the franchise. And, of course, that doesn't take into account, you know, uh, if that game was dramatically more expensive to make or anything like that. But uh, when you're just looking at pure sales volume, you know, it did pretty darn well. But those, right. those, the the Metro series, and I'm I'm not a huge, I don't I've played uh, a couple hours of Last Light, and that's about it. These are traditionally like million, like a couple million sellers, right, Matt? Like these are these are more niche titles. Like these are, 
I don't know. Like, what's what's the sales history of these compared to something like uh, Exodus? Uh, so Metro games are are in that uh, in that track. Uh, probably double A plus um, now, triple A, but developed um, in parts of the world where uh, development costs are are much more uh, reasonable than in some other parts of the world. So there's some, you know, they have the ability to make games that um, other other play folks in other territories might not be able to just because of cost. Um, so like, and, and those quality scores have been improving over time, but it's it's not your big AAA battlefield type blockbuster shooter these are games that come out sell pretty well for a long time they're really smart at uh getting the word out through other subscription services or being parts of um other programs to maintain momentum and so um you know for this kind of game these these results are really good right so right. Uh, what, what else was uh, zach no, i'm sorry go ahead you were about to say something please i don't want to no 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 I, I mean just just one thing that i've that i am interested to to see um and I guess this is what everybody's kind of kind of been talking about over the last week is how a game like Anthem, who who was number one with NPD uh, last month, carries in, and then how does it carry in right on the back of Division, which is yeah. the reception reception both critically and and from the general audience is 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 much higher. Uh, it, it's interesting to see how those things carry. I I guess right. Yeah, it's going to be really wild. So when Division Two comes out, which I mean, if you look at just general sentiment of the internet. Uh, Division Two seems to have a really uh, strong uh, group of folks yes, saying how great it is, um, and you know, for loot shooters or loot-based shooters, these haven't come out uh, as rapidly as we're seeing right now. And so, like, seeing how the player base reacts, we also have Apex Legends out in the market, and we still have Fortnite out in the market. Like, how these games are going to compete for audience is going to be really interesting to watch, and. Uh, you know, because games like Destiny didn't really have super steep decay curves. They kind of maintained really strong sales for a long period of time. Um, that's going to be what's really interesting to watch is, you know, how Anthem is going to perform months two, three, four. Uh, Division is going to go two, three, four when, you know, there's something yep. like Apex Legends also in the market. Well, that's right. interesting. It's, it's oh. an interesting point, Matt. Like, I, I, you know, when we learned that Borderlands Three was going to be announced, like, I under Borderlands Two was one of my favorite games of of, uh, of the previous gen. Like, I must have dropped uh, three hundred fifty fucking hours into that game on Xbox Three Sixty. Um, and Borderlands Two came out in a time where there was kind of a dearth of uh, a looter shooters. Like, it was Borderlands, and that that was really it. Really, that was the that's the only that's the only, that's the only you know major loot shooter that i can think of during that time period and ever since then that game came out in 2012 and in the seven years since we've had destiny one uh the division destiny two the division two we've got anthem um that's 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 five games right there you've also had you got the emergence of the battle royale genre um you got you know, apex legends and you know fortnite is still in the slouch by any sense of the word um and now we've got borderlands 3 coming out uh or at least being announced uh at at pax east now i guess my question for you matt is you know i had i had ruffled a few feathers on twitter when i said that borderlands 3 would be announced and nobody would care i know that's oh, john i admit that that's hyperbole people are going to care oh, about borderlands john. 3 but at the same at the same time matt what do you think how you know, a, a much more crowded playing field, a much more uh, competitive genre. Um, do you think that's going to have any sort of negative effect on Borderlands Three, both for from a hype perspective and a release perspective? Uh, I mean, really difficult to say, considering all we know about the game is the name, um, and that brand does have significant cachet. 
but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen games come into this crowded marketplace and do exceptionally well. Um, I think the, the barrier for success is a lot higher than maybe it used to be. Succeed in a huge way, or they really don't. Um, we really don't have a lot of middling successes anymore. We either have big successes or games that aren't. Right. Uh, and so I think we're going to have to wait and see what yeah. Borderlands looks like. And, and whatever else is coming, you know, there's all those rumors out there about, you know, another couple big games that people are hiding in their pockets for Q4 right. um, because of how re- or how announced timings are, are the, the time between the announced timing and releases is, is getting shrunken. Um, so right. Right. Interesting to see how this goes. Right. Justin, you look like you had a question, buddy. Yes. Um, I, I was just wondering, um, if Matt could like put into perspective a few things, um, maybe about Apex Legends, we've gotten a few stats um, about it. They said it generated what ninety-two million in the first month, and that was before the Battle Pass launched, um, and that just launched um, this week on Tuesday. Um, I just wanted to know if you know Matt could maybe put that into perspective and you know talk about how you know the market might be reacting to that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, those those uh, those estimates are from Superdata, so they are they're estimates. Um, I, I don't believe that came from Respawn or EA, uh, but the player counts are what's really interesting there. Uh, the player count ramp, you know, Apex Legends was able to achieve more players in four weeks than Fortnite got in four months, and that ramp continues to. But basically, that player count line graph goes up and to the right very sharply. Uh, and I think that's what everyone's going to be looking at. And, you know, as we move forward, uh, this has made a lot of noise in the publishing community. The idea of these kind of player counts and these kind of ramps and this kind of engagement, uh, you're going to start seeing a lot of free-to-play games like these hitting the market out of the blue going after a similar type strategy of grabbing influencers and trying to grab player count right out of the gates. Um, I think we're going to start seeing this a lot more. Right. Isn't quite answering your question, but, um, no, that, 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 that's great. Cause like, I, I wanted to ask about, you know, that, you know, anna- announce it and then it's available to play that day free to play, um, kind of thing. So, uh, you touched on that, which is great. Thank you. So, so I, you... I, Oh, Oh, I've got a very quick question for Don, um i was wondering uh matt uh you know we've talked about games could you talk a little bit about the switch um uh, getting into yeah. the kind of, kind of the hardware side of the things because i know that switch had a particularly good uh february especially consider uh, when you know anyway i'll let you get into it man please go ahead wait uh, are we good there we go we're live we're good right. there okay we go. we're okay. alive we go. look right. how sexy let's, we look too let's yeah we do look great John, let's walk it back. Will you rephrase your question for Matt? Just because I'm going to try to edit this to make it not garbage. Okay, no, that no, that's perfect. So, so Matt, um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the economic modalities of the Southern colonies in the pre-revolutionary period, uh, spanning from 1768 to 1774. Um, I would yeah. give you. I, I, mean, I, I want. I want to give you my contention about it, but I want to hear. I want to hear your thought. Your, what 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 you have to say first. Let me tell you about a little guy named George Washington. <laughs> no, Matt, if you could talk a little, just a little bit about the hardware side, I would deeply yeah. appreciate that. Sure. So, uh, like you said, Switch did have a pretty good February. It's had a really good run. November 
through February, particularly like once Smash hit, it really kind of turbocharged Switch. Uh, and, you know, what we're seeing now is, you know, Nintendo is having really strong hardware success. Uh, their sales in February for hardware were the highest for a month of February since 2011. So really that payday of the, you know, the Wii and NDS. Um, and but what we're also seeing while the Switch is having all this success is that we're now really starting to see the PS4, Xbox One uh, show that more late cycle, moderate declines um, as we kind of transition towards the end of the cycle uh, for those boxes. And so what that means is that, you know, this year is kind of trending just like uh, I thought it would, um, where we're going to see Switch have, I think, pretty consistently year-on-year growth. PS4, X1 pretty consistently year-on-year moderate declines. Um, overall, things are trending just as they kind of should be. Um, but yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of Nintendo Switch leading the market through the rest of this year. So I have one more NPD question, unless anybody else has one. So I want to talk about uh, kind of a juxtaposition we have on, on this month's uh, uh, trends, um, and then what it also means uh, looking back at last year. So uh, we've seen two two the best two selling games. Jump Force and Anthem reviewed pretty pretty <laughs> iffy, but they're sold really well. Uh, and then another game that sold really or, or that reviewed really iffy, Crackdown, did not even make the list. And that is juxtaposed against previously when we would see games like Poor Sea of Crackdown. Thieves, uh, Forza, and State of Decay also hit the top of the charts even in Game Pass. Do you think this is a case of bad word of mouth uh, simply just hurt Crackdown out the gate? And there are also a lot of other games out. So I so <laughs> all right. Um, Sorry, that was like a lot of of setup. No, no, it's a, it's no, a meaty question. This is great. It's a topic that that comes up a lot, and I see it on the forums. I see it on Twitter, where folks say that Game Pass hurt this game or Game Pass helped that game. I think that's a little bit not. It's probably not the right way to look at it. Like Game Pass isn't a panacea for sales. Like game, a game doesn't have Game Pass and sell better. I think what Game Pass does is amplify the virality and amplify messaging. So, for example, when Sea of Thieves State of Decay came out, those games on Game Pass, the folks that are, you know, influencers within their core group of friends and family play the game, say, hey, you guys should play this with me. And it caused sales to, to it, what I think sales to increase over where they would have been otherwise. On the same token, if a game comes to Game, Cap, game Pass and it doesn't get positive virality or positive word of mouth, I think that amplifies the message the other direction. So it's, I think it's something where Game Pass is a, um, is like a megaphone of consumer sentiment in a lot of ways, particularly for the folks that do subscribe to these services, which are generally your more core gamer who has a lot of influence with friends and family. And so I, right. I yeah, I don't think Game Pass itself helped or hurt i think just game pass amplifying the message or the the sentiment of the games or is helping and hurting individual games is is it a little oh go ahead justin uh do you think maybe microsoft kind of foresaw um that kind of reaction to crackdown because i saw more marketing for crackdown 3 on game pass and game pass is two dollars right now than i saw specifically for crackdown it seemed like it was being used more that and Terry Crews were being used more as Game Pass ads than they were advertising the game itself. <laughs> I mean, I hate to speculate on 
the, the internal tactics or strategies sure, sure. or what they were going for. Um, but I mean, you're right. They did. They did seem to make that messaging front and center of, you know, of the Game Pass messaging around the game. Um, you know, maybe to push those Game Pass subs. I don't know. Uh, I think it it probably works, but I'm not I'm not certain. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, when you look at the when you don't see Crackdown Three in the top twenty chart, I mean, there's all kinds of reasons for that. Um, <laughs> myriad reasons why things sell well or sell poorly. There's never one real answer to any of it. Sure. So Zach, sure. I need to, I need to clear something up here. We, we this okay. is this is a thing we've never actually addressed on the show, and and I think we need to address it now, not just for us, but for everybody in the chat as well. Oh God! So it sounds so, like we're about to get a bullshit question. No, Go on. yeah, no, this no, is no, gonna be no, bad. No, no, no. <laughs> relax, relax. You chill, babies. It's gonna be okay. This is an important question. So I'm dealing with a cold right now, and I just had to hold back a sneeze. So what is our sneezing policy? Do we mute mics? Yeah, mute your mic. Or yeah, mute or, your mic. Or we ask or, you to mute, no. your, mute your mic because mute. of your keyboard. Okay. <laughs> like... So 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 here's the deal. Here's the deal, right? I would argue that I would argue that to to suppress my bodily functions would be I mean, it's it's beautiful, right? Like like even the act of sneezing is beautiful because it makes us. You don't suppress. You're not alive. suppressing yeah. shit. You're just muting John, your mic so nobody hears you. But, but in there, people ear. are still going to see me. Jonathan sneeze on camera and if if there's no audio it's going to I I, I feel like it's going to come John weird. what about no. the people that listen at home like what about the people that listen after that, but, the fact but no no no, no. It's, no a, it's a spice it's... of life it's a surprise Hush. and not Jonathan no one... Jonathan yes have sympathy for Derek Derek our sweet boy who is not who is not on the show tonight is the one who edits and puts our shows together and throws them up the next morning please do not make him edit that out John, mute your goddamn mic. We're moving on to our next subject. I don't think you should, We're going to get to we will get to Google Stadia, but first I want to briefly touch on Sekiro. Brandon, you have been playing it for a little bit. Can you give us a no spoiler or as light spoiler as you can to kind of run us down on, on your initial hours with it? Boy, would I love to. And okay. yeah, I, I I don't know what to talk. I'm just going to talk about mostly just the fucking combat. Ramble about that's all I want you to do yeah. is just talk. Ramble about a, a Souls game, please. Brandon. Okay, so uh, all right, straight up, I'll just say that this is by far the most accessible um, of like the Miyazaki style games. Well, I don't know what to call them anymore. Uh, you know, Souls like games. Uh, they they tutorialize quite a bit of it. Uh, like things are explained in detail. Items are explained. Mechanics are explained. They tell you exactly what everything is. Uh, in a way, where, you know, like Dark Souls and Demon Souls were just, like, letting you just, just, like, you know, figure shit out. Like, go die and figure shit out. Whereas Sekiro is just like, you know, this does this, this does that. Um, the, the tutorial is pretty lengthy. Uh, it takes, you know, 45 minutes. Ooh, uh, shit I like. Mm. There's a wait, lot wait. of... When you say 45 minutes in the tutorial, do you think this is a tutorial area? Or is it like, hey, you're going to stand in this courtyard for 45 minutes and someone's going to train you? Oh, no, it is absolutely a tutorial area. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It's like, a, okay. It's like the first level. Kind exactly. Of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, I knew there was the... kind of a dojo in the game. So I was like, where you were just going to be in a dojo for 45 minutes training with yes, someone? Yes, there, okay. there is like a sparring area. Yeah. Okay. Okay, sorry. So, so <clears throat> one thing no, I want to cool. ask you about please, is please the locomotion. So there's a lot of like the the rope swinging and the speed here seem yeah. unlike any other thing we've seen from 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 software in a long time. Yeah. Right? So there's plenty of like uh, built-in grapple points 
to the levels. So you can't like grapple anywhere. You can't aim it. But it's just like you can, you know, if you a tree, you'll see a green circle. You press the left bumper and you go fly, you know, flying up to it. Uh, but there's a lot of them and they're all over the place. You can use them in the middle of combat. Um, you can use it on enemies. Um, like I was fighting an ogre and when he does, you know, he's he's a big ogre. When he doesn't attack and misses, he'll fall down on the ground and it gives you a prompt to grapple him. Which allows you to like pull yourself over to him in an advantageous position. That's that's very realistic. Whenever I attack somebody in real life, <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I, yeah. miss, I fall down on the ground and expose myself to a counterattack. So, so I like realism. And well, and it looks like this looks like a, a significantly faster game than what we've seen from Dark Souls uh, and, and Bloodborne, for that matter, in recent it's years. Slower right? than Bloodborne. It's, well, it's slower than Bloodborne. Okay, that doesn't yeah, surprise me because this was originally Brandon. Okay. So 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 Brandon, is it obvious that this was originally a Tenchu game? I don't know anything about that. You never played Tenchu? Oh my god! Oh, Brandon. No, I, Fine. I, I, I am aware of Tenchu. I don't know okay. if this game is. Up. Okay, okay but how does how does stealth cool. feel? How about that? Because that that's new for that's that's pretty new for yeah, for, for it software. Is, it, it is, uh, yeah. And it um, feels good. Uh. <laughs> uh oh. Well, yeah. I see. I, well, I don't know. I, I feel I haven't <laughs> played enough. Also, okay. Okay. No, it's not. I'm not saying it's bad or poorly implemented. I just mean that. I'm still playing it mostly like a Souls game. So you've, you've been, you've kind of just been like Leroy Jenkins running exactly through running okay. straight, writing straight, aggroing them like you do. Yeah. Sure. Um, I'm finding with the generals. So there, there's, there's this. This game has a lot of mini bosses. They're okay. all over the place. I've heard there's that. generals, regular mini bosses. So the generals are named opponents uh, that are very strong. They require two death blow attacks to take out. Uh, so you can't just stealth them and kill them in one hit. Um, stealthing them will only give you, well, it'll take off half their health essentially. So, Justin, I, did you? Did, oh, John, hang on. Justin, did you have something to say? Justin looked like he was ready to talk about it. No, John. John. No, I, I, I didn't. I just thought that sounded cool. Let the, let oh. the souls guy. Let the souls bro ask a question. All right. Zach. All right. All right. All right. So, so, can you talk a little bit, Brandon? about character progression because i have heard this is nowhere near okay. there there's there, there's not really yeah, very any... different yeah yeah please can yep. you talk about there's that a little no, bit there's no levels it's not a role-playing game <laughs> like that um there's no there's no attributes there's no strength decks stuff like that um so what you're doing your experience points are all going towards skill points that allow you to unlock new combat abilities um so it's much more like a character, you know, character action game progression it, like that. Sounds like it's more streamlined, similar to the last yeah. two Assassin's Creed games. I mean, not not literally, but the way that like it, it is more yeah. streamlined for sure. Right, um, and you don't have to think about like the kind of build you're gonna do or anything like that. I am gonna play the well. I mean, I think there is there's customization. Okay. Um, you have you have uh, a combat art ability, which is mm -hmm. um, you can only choose one combat art equipped at a time. Uh, so that will vary your play style. Uh, you also have like secondary weapons. Like you start with your the first one you unlock is throwing stars, that okay. will, you know, sort of throw the opponent off balance and sort of break their defense a little bit. But what's 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 interesting, Brandon, is that I saw a quick video, like a twelve second video you posted on Twitter, and an ogre literally suplexed you and then threw you <laughs> off a cliff 
And and this I, ogre is a bitch, and, and everyone will know his wrath tomorrow. I told <laughs> I told Brandon before we went live. I said that is the most Dark Souls shit I have ever seen in my life. So I guess my <laughs> que- my question, Brandon, is that at the end of the day, does this feel like a Souls game? Does this feel like a successor? It, to the it Souls is game? very absolutely one hundred percent a successor to but, Bloodborne and Demon Souls and Dark Souls. Yes. But but and I and I I want two answers here. Uh, one, I want as somebody who enjoys those games, and two, as a general audience for people who haven't played, is it fun? <laughs> oh I, yeah! I, I it's fun. Fun. Oh god! I'm, I, like, I'm getting it, so excited, I might take my shirt off. Yeah, I mean, so the the, the oh. focus on defense sets it apart from great mini games. Obviously, Devil May Cry is about as swing, you know, going at it just like you know for aggression, forward aggression, get that SSS rank. Bloodborne was all about you know an enemy hits you, mash that button to get all your health back real quick. But is, Sekiro is more, you know, like you're going for parries. You're you're putting up your your sword in defense. Now, you're for people getting out of the for, fight with the grappling hook. For people who have kind of slept on the last several Dark Souls games and and Bloodborne, is this a good onboarding location for people who are new to that genre, or do you think that this would actually be a hard yes, place no, to start? No, and they ab- should step absolutely, one hundred percent. This is the most accessible. Okay. From software game in the style. Okay. Um, in terms of like Ooh. tutorialization and easing you into the experience, um, there is no like bullshit, uh, like, like yeah. you know, a dark, a, in in Demon Souls and Dark Souls, you're meant to die right at the beginning of the game. There is nothing like that, or and even Bloodborne, there's nothing like that in this game. There's they're trying. I think it is the most difficult game they've ever made. Okay. However, exactly. it is also simultaneously the most approachable. Sure. I fucking love, so I, I love think, I think literally think everything Yeah, very said. interesting. So I, I have a question that I kind of want to throw to Matt. Um, so Matt, we reviews for this game came out today. It is, uh, I, unless this has changed through later reviews, it is the best reviewed Activision game this generation. Is that still true? Is anybody? Yeah, I think. But this is up. also. What would Overwatch count? I'm gonna look it up. Uh, Activision Blizzard. I can't remember where they. Yeah, I, people probably are counting that as Blizzard, but I think that's okay. similar. So, so I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Get technical. I don't know. Okay, so in the meantime, it's the number one or number two most profitable game for Activision. This, uh, yes. Um, how about this, it is not a studio that they own. This is, a, you know, this is a studio that they're they're working with. Um, but this is also a game where I think we've seen a lot of people question why we haven't seen a lot of people talking about it. Is it a neat genre? Um, that sort of thing. Uh, Matt, how how viable is this genre uh, in terms of, of trending on charts? And do you think reviews might help in this case uh, for, for a genre that's otherwise seen as hardcore or a little bit niche? Yeah, I mean, these games continue to sell better and better over time. Uh, like, each launch gets progressively bigger. Um, I don't know why no one has been talking about this game as much as Souls games. It is a new IP. Theoretically, so like that can be part of it. Well, marketing don't felt a little muted. Well, not um, only that, yeah. but like there are thirteen reviews for this thing on PlayStation Four, which is that's going to be where everybody plays it because most of these games sell yeah. extremely top heavily on PS Four, and there are thirteen reviews for this game. Hey, Julian in chat, what's up, man? Um, so I guess my I guess like like let's broaden the scope of the question and ask why the fuck didn't they send out re- like. So what I've been told from a few a few a few reviewers uh, who play the game is that it was extremely diff. They were extremely stingy with review codes for this game, and given the quality of the game, I can't fucking figure out why. 
Oh man. Okay. So to go down this road, um, I don't know for sure what the strategy is behind the review code uh, for this particular game or, or the strategy. Uh, I think generally, um, generally the idea more and more is, is influencer activity, getting the game out into streamers hands and letting people watch it on Twitch and YouTube and that kind of thing. I don't know if that comes into play here. I don't think, all right, I think review scores still matter. I don't think they matter anywhere near what they used to in terms of correlating to sales. We're in a different era where the game review score and the sales correlation is probably the weakest it's ever been and getting weaker. So I can see why, uh, if it's the case, that you know some other ways of trying to promote the game would take place now. In today's world, where pre-orders don't really matter like they used to, uh, and we get like last-second, massive, overwhelmingly positive conversation and buzz like we're seeing on this game, uh, it could come out with really big numbers uh, and perhaps be the biggest launch of a game in this kind of subgenre. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. You know, it's. Uh, but I, I do anticipate this game actually doing pretty well. I mean, in this marketplace where Kingdom Hearts three is the biggest game of the year that and we're seeing mind. we're seeing these genres that used to be fairly small now being at the top of the charts pretty consistently you go back to dragon ball like fighters like these kind of games um that are that used to be somewhat more niche are getting more and more mainstream and i think that might be the case here too we'll have to see sure does anybody have any more Sekiro before we kind of move into our next topic I have so many questions I want to ask, but I will refer. I mean, and ask me one more. All right. Okay. All right. I'll ask you one more. Um, without getting into without getting into any any, into any spoilers, um, you you played for what like a couple hours now, a total, Brandon. Over yeah. The well, I I have mostly finished the first area and started on the second. Okay. So is like so the first, the first like major, you know, the first major area. Sure. So like everybody... I pretty much beat like what would be the. Uh, undead berg of dark souls okay okay i know exactly what you're talking about then. Yeah. so everybody knows that story is something that is extremely important in souls games but usually the story is something that you have to put together yourself through uh item descriptions and uh you know trying to decipher cryptic uh cryptic language from npcs uh -huh. um without getting into the details of the story itself is is the story in this actually fleshed out and and and, and straightforward um can you actually understand the plot? I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. The cutscenes okay. are, are are very straightforward. Um, they're not cryptic at all. Uh, the plot, uh, the the motivations of the protagonist is is established right from the opening cutscene. Um, it, it's a pretty straightforward quest. Um, however, there is still a little bit of when you talk to the NPCs, they are Dark Souls mysterious. Like they, you know, they're the, the NPCs are cryptic in a way. Well, I'm gonna say that about me. <laughs> you are, I Zach. Dark I would Souls say mysterious. you are you are the Dark Souls NPC of yeah of this podcast. <laughs> Thank so, you. Well, I would say you know, like the the Souls games plots were very like you know they were kind of difficult to understand. Like they're all about like you know re rekindling the flame and like, these weird you know concepts but like sekiro is like you know he's trying to get back this young kid who is the heir to this you know the kingdom 
who gets kidnapped. That's so, basically it. So, like, it's very straightforward. I just want to. I just want to say, Zach. Like we've got Dark Souls NPCs. Like you know, for example, you know, every game has a crestfallen something. Like you know, you got the crestfallen warrior. You've got the crestfallen traveler. I feel like your Dark Souls NPC name would be Frustrated Zachary. Yeah, probably. I feel like that's what that's what that's what you would be. <sighs> listen, yeah. listen. We've talked a lot about Sekiro. It's clear we really. It's clear we're, we're fond of the series. We will probably yeah. have some sort of spoiler cast or or deep dive uh discussion that oh, we will post later on so look forward but but first i think i think we should move on before we move to our final big topic google stadia i want to talk a little bit about yesterday's nintendo indie direct uh and the the kind of it feels like the crowning jewel of that being um cuphead who cares a game funded by microsoft a game uh published exclusively on xbox a year and a half ago is coming to nintendo switch and it will have uh, Xbox Live support is this a big deal? Uh, yeah, I I mean for me it's I think it's a pretty big deal. It's the first time we've really yeah. seen um, when they introduced it. They said our friends at Microsoft um, they're allowing you know it's coming post launch, but they are allowing Xbox Live integration to earn Xbox Live achievements. That's pretty cool um, on the Switch, which is pretty neat, especially since the Switch doesn't have its own um, system. And they've said that um you know they've said that you know they're not working on a full xbox live um xdk for switch yet but to expect other ports with the same kind of functionality uh within the next year so i wouldn't be surprised to see ori come on over um another 2d game from microsoft that you know is a metroidvania title and you know those have been doing very well on switch um i think that i think that one's gonna happen here's a th- here, uh, here's now. the thing though Justin. and here's here's, I, here's the thing i'm sorry i thought i thought you were cutting yourself off please continue and then i'll make my point uh, again no and i yeah go, go ahead john okay fine i will Classic go ahead john. look at me bogarting the mic john. that's how i that's how i do it you, you know I'm, I'm 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 the game dad and every now and then i've got to i've got to rein it in and and take charge and so what i'm going to say is that i think that this is going to be a very 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 one-sided street for Microsoft and Nintendo. You will not see Mario or Yoshi or or Zelda pop up anywhere on Xbox Live or anywhere on Xbox. I think I think the deal here, Ed, Matt, please chime in if if you agree or disagree. But I think that you, I think that this is to this is one uh, for the benefit of Microsoft to just get more people playing their games, and and two for Nintendo to say, hey, look, you don't, you know, if you have an Xbox, that you can play your fucking Xbox games on on the go now. Like you can, you know, you can you can pick up a Switch and get your achievements uh, wherever you are, and everything's gonna fall, everything's gonna be connected to your Xbox Live account. I don't think you you are going to see a single Nintendo title ever appear on the xbox i don't think that's ever going to be part of the deal but maybe you guys disagree matt maybe you disagree well i i don't know if i disagree but i don't think that it matters uh because i think this is just part of what phil spencer and the folks at microsoft been talking about for two years which is to make the games available everywhere and the platform not being restricted by hardware and and the the kind of the post console war future which we're moving to very quickly and i think it's both microsoft and nintendo recognizing that it's not direct competition anymore the cross ownership rates between switch and xbox one are really high as they are with ps4 um so there's no reason to not have that kind of partnership and all it's doing is making more games available in more places 
Microsoft wins by having portability for their games. Nintendo wins by having more games on their platform. Uh, I, I, so I think it's just all a win-win situation. Um, and the the one thing we have to figure out is what Sony's going to do in this kind of new world we're going into. Yeah, and and one thing I just want to add too is is Microsoft is saying games like Cuphead and games of the caliber of Cuphead you can expect to see hitting Switch, which which is like your Ori's and and your and your you know Cuphead and your you know your kind of platformer games, which is I think is a perfect fit for can't wait for to a mobile platform. Three on the go, Zach. But, I can't wait to play like, Crackdown Three I, on the go. And I I think I think one of the reasons besides these games being easy to play in short bursts, uh, what makes these these so approachable is that they aren't system sellers for Microsoft, right? Like nobody buys. Very few people will buy an Xbox to play Ori in the Blind Forest or to play Cuphead. They're, they're great. They're yep. great games to play when you already have the platform. But it's a year and a half after launch for Cuphead. Microsoft has probably made the vast majority of their money they're going to make off of PC and Xbox sales in that game. So why not bring it to a platform to integrate more people into that into that um, that experience into that IP? And who knows? Maybe maybe in a year or two, those people might consider an Xbox platform if they're used to the the functions there. So, um, but but one, sorry, do you have something? I was going to ask you a question, Zach, and and also okay. I, well, this is for you, Zach, since you're you're our, our, our Xbox team here, but also for the group in general. Do you think that we are going to see? And I know this is this might be a long shot, but do you think we're going to see? big first-party titles like Halo or Gears pop up on Switch. Not necessarily games like Halo Infinite, because that would make your Switch fucking melt. But I'm talking like yeah. older games like Master Chief Collection or Gears of War, you know, well, like, like Gears so, of War Trilogy or something like that. So so the only way I could see that happening is if Microsoft and Nintendo keep being close friends and xCloud becomes uh, a more a more dominant thing. Uh I mean, and who knows? If if they make if they make an uh you know a, a dev kit for Switch, then maybe we'll see this. But I I mean I don't know. That's so speculative, John. I, I don't really know where Microsoft is going the next three years. I mean, I think I could probably give you a, a better guess at at E three, um after after they reveal it. Um, but I mean that's that's a that's I don't know. That's a hard I one see, to guess. I on. see Matt chuckling down there. Matt, what are you chuckling about down there? Well, yeah, like after E three. After E3, we're going to know a hell of a lot more. I mean, He Microsoft, knows! Matt knows! Uh, Microsoft's <laughs> going to open the proverbial kimono, and uh, everything will be known. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, sounds, I mean, well, it's just, kinky. it's a hard, it's a hard thing, it's a hard thing to speculate about, um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see more things, but I would not expect Microsoft to put their system sellers, uh, at least in close proximity to, to their release, on the Switch. Um, but like, who knows, like in, in a year or two, maybe we will see the Master Chief Collection pop up on there through Game Pass or xCloud or something. Um, but I, I, I mean, I don't know, John. I mean, we'll see. I think this is really cool um, because I, I mean, I just, I like more synergy between these brands. Obviously they're competitors and I, and I like the competition because that means more stuff for us. Um, but I mean, it's cool to see people not just having to pick sides. Uh, the other thing is, the other thing is this, is, this is getting a little bit closer to me wanting uh cuphead and slash mugman to be feature characters in smash so you know that we're, we're be, getting there slowly they're per, i mean they would be perfect fits but i don't think that's going to happen uh we'll, we'll see we will we will see we'll see and there might be a twitter i don't know i i i think it's more likely than a character like banjo uh as much as i like banjo um Banjo's you know we'll trash. see okay fine talk some shit i guess <laughs> yeah i will talk some shit <laughs> um but but yeah no i mean i think this will be an interesting thing to watch i think it'll be interesting to watch the sales 
um, I think you know it'll be it'll be uh, a good litmus test for Microsoft and and um, you know that, that so sort of thing. just just a uh, a technical issue that it, it appears that some some of our viewers are not getting uh, Twitch notifications that we're going live. Um, well, that's a Twitch that's, thing, I believe. You know, yeah. I I would I would love to have that as an excuse. That sounds great. That that that's why people are just like we are getting more people rolling in now. So I mean, you know, whatever. If you if you're coming like um, that's no problem. Well, no, no, no. Like just, people, no people in chat are saying they're like they have that you know they have it in on in the settings and they're not getting Twitch. Uh, it's not pushing notifications. Okay. So that yeah. might be an issue we have to look into. And thanks, also, Jeff Bezos. Like, it might just like be Bezos. Two people now. Two people did not get the notification. We are live. So. What that's, the fuck, Twitch? Okay. Fix your shit. Well, it's okay. Um, it's okay. Kind of, before we move on, I just want to, uh, you know, make a comment that, like, we've seen, obviously, Cuphead on Switch is by far the biggest of any of this we've seen. But, like, there have been multiple announcements at this GDC that have shown each of the, you know, console platform holders kind of loosening up the strings on some of their IPs and stuff. Um, Nintendo, who is really well known for being ultra protective of their IPs is allowing an indie developer to make a Zelda game. Uh, there is it going to be a Crypt of the Necrodancer. That um, was fucking dope too. Spinoff. Oh, yeah. um, oh, that was my game of the show right there. Yeah. Uh, spinoff game that is going to be based on Zelda. The developers said they approached Nintendo initially just to do see if they could do like a DLC or something. And Nintendo's like, no, we want you to do a full game. And they're like, Okay, um, so that's really cool to see, especially from Nintendo, who we know is ultra protective of their IPs. Um, Quantic Dreams games are also coming to PC now, um, and uh, I mean, whatever you want to say about it, like um, we don't know exactly, you know, what's involved in that. But um, Sony has always made ownership of the IP their number one requirement if they publish a game and uh now this is about um this is these are the f now there's five um sony published games that have moved to pc in the past few months there was journey and flower um and then now it's you know heavy rain beyond two souls and uh detroit and I... yeah uh so i i just have just yeah. one bit sentence to finish and you know like if it was just like the older games that were on you know ps3 and you know had been remastered on ps4 it would be a bit less interesting but like detroit making it over which is a very recent game less than a year um it's pretty interesting and i'm kind of curious as to you know what's going on with that well and so sorry justin i didn't mean to interrupt i wanted to throw a question to you to, to keep you, you going oh, but, so so my so my idea or, or my question is do you think that this is i mean there's twofold one David Cage is kind of a toxic guy after after reports that started about a year ago. Yes, so that, that's also if, part of it. There also right, might so, just be a, there might just be a wanting to disconnect with that brand kind of or, thing. Or or and I and I, th I wonder if this is more likely is that you know we do have we have Days Gone coming out and it had pretty positive reception. Um, but uh, I also wonder if this is Sony. You know they're not doing E3 this year. If this is a nice way where they are looking. You know even if they're letting uh, Quantic. Uh, Dream uh, uh, put their put their games uh, up on up on PC. Sony's probably still getting a slice of that pie. Is this just them trying to get a little bit extra money? Um, you know their way this this year with with a light first party offering. I'm not I'm not really sure. Um, I'm not I I mean that's kind of also the weird thing about this one is like the other ones that I mentioned were clearly talked about 
you know, by the companies themselves. Sony's name is not anywhere on the Quantic Dream announcements, um, which is interesting. Um, so I don't know if it's that, but like, it at least seems like now maybe when developers aren't going to be working exclusively with PlayStation anymore, there's at least a route for them getting, you know, their IPs and their games to other other players, which, you know, at least is a big change in the publishing sense, which yeah. is good. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else have anything they want to talk about? Uh, Nintendo-related, Cuphead-related, uh, uh, or Quantic Dream-related before we head into talking oh, about... Oh, man, I want to talk about the future of games. I want to talk about the future okay. of our industry, Zach. <laughs> I want to talk about... I want, I want to talk about the sea change that is happening... Okay across the uh across the spectrum i want to talk about how consoles are doomed i want to talk about how by this time next year i will have thrown out my ps4 smashed my xbox one with a sledgehammer and lit my nintendo switch on fire i've already put my pc on ebay i just built it i dare i brandon want to talk about how i am going to take my pc smash it into tiny pieces (laughs) and flush it joyfully down the toilet as we all hail our new lord, our new Google overlords have arrived. Google and um, I, 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 I don't know about you all on this podcast or anybody in chat, but I, for one, am perfectly happy to welcome our new Google overlords and give them all of the information, all of the personal information they require from me. That is the sacrifice I lay upon the altar of gaming, and I'm not ashamed to say that. Before we delve into it, it's clear that John has not does not have a good does not have a good feeling about John's got opinions. Yeah, yeah. From (laughs) so from 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 the outset, it's clear John doesn't like it. Is everybody else kind of lukewarm, positive, negative? Justin, do you want to tell me how you're feeling about it before we get into it? I'm kind of mixed. Um, I'll get into it more because I think I'm kind of mixed on kind of a lot of individual parts, but I think they're kind of disparate conversations. Um, Yeah. I will say the name and logo are real bad. It in sounds my like opinion. a fucking. It sounds like something you put in your drink to make it it's, taste a little better. It's like, man, I I could really. I don't like sugar. I could really use some some stadia packets. Stadia. Some, some stadia packets to put in my in my yeah, in my decaffeinated yeah. coffee this morning. It doesn't stay in my head. The logo looks kind of quickly mocked up, but like those are just initial impressions. Um. Like just, I'll get more into my my feelings on it like as we go on because I think all of them kind of just lead into different conversations and Justin I, I don't want to take up Justin too much I just time. want to make sure that you are aware that everybody else is aware that uh state like side effects of stadia may include itching uh, oozing burning um kind Ooh. of a kind of a fungus between your toes um you <laughs> yes know, um I, it, I will go like, please shut up John please yeah. please uh uh. In I'm chat, sorry, it um, sounds like a fucking medical product. I'm sorry. Like, it's just a well, bad name. It's a bad name. Like, who the fuck thought of this yeah. name? Stadia. No, it's... Stadia. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's I just, bad. You know, I've been wanting to like, get that yeah. off my chest okay. for days uh, okay. now. It's bad. It's bad. Yeah, but John, but John, I mean, in all seriousness, you get used to it, and Xbox One was a terrible name. And no, it was no, ter- no, no. Compared and to it was Stadia, fine. Xbox but, One is a fucking blessing. But John, John, listen... Listen, just anyway, let me the just. Name is not important. The name, yeah, the name is not really important, and it, and it's so superficial compared to the rest of the it announcement. Is important, Zach. Matt, maybe Matt, the most important thing. Can you be a so, voice of reason and bring bring some? I mean, Justin was pretty level headed on this too, there's but there's no reason we, on this podcast. Matt, Matt, can you help us simmer John down a little bit? 
No, I can't help you with that. But um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> he so, admits the truth. Uh, so I mean, overall, right? Um, generally, when we have new ways to play and new ways for folks to participate in gaming, it generally makes the market get bigger. It makes accessibility better, and generally moves the market forward. I don't think this is going to be any different here. I think there's a lot of hyperbole around both. Google taking over the world with this, as well as the consoles are dead, or this is going to be dead on arrival. Now it's it's it'll be fine. Uh, what gets me is uh, this is just the first one that we're going to see announced this year. Oh yeah, this is this is kind of what I wanted to talk about later because how many people do we know are working on streaming services? Well, let's save like that for later. Let's point? save that for later. Let's save that All for right. later. Let's save that for later. Brandon, <clears throat> Brandon, can you kind of quickly run us through your initial impressions before we delve into it? Initial impressions of what? Stadia. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got two words. <laughs> Data cap. <laughs> Data. Yeah. Yes. Right, and I, and yeah. I guess, well, and I guess let's, let's, let's bring that into our... Oh, this fucking... What so, was the number I mean, quoted on, that honestly, was... Like this, that's, the... that's how little I care about the Stadia. I, just, I won't even consider it because I'm on Data Cap Internet. End of story. Right. Because right. somebody did an estimate of like what the 4K HDR streams. I think I saw seven gigs an hour, roughly. I think it was closer to twenty for the I 4K 60 HDR. Oh, okay, <laughs> so yeah, so, so that was the thing. The first, like, like all joking aside, that was the first thing that jumped out at me. Like the tech itself is super impressive, right? Like, and when you're watching it, like the concept of being able to you know watch a stream or watch a youtube video that says click here to play the game and jump seamlessly into the game that's cool right like it's it's an interesting concept but and people in and, and you know uh, rev was there you know uh rev we hope you're having a good time uh, over at gdc um the people the people in the room were impressed by what they saw but people have to remember that that is a controlled environment with with you know state-of-the-art you know hardware and you know they made sure you know like you know all the you know you know bandwidth you know there's no bandwidth issues there they made sure that everything was working at an optimum level there yeah and like if you just kind of piggybacking off of that like digital foundry had an exclusive look with stadia and like they had had a um they had like a breakdown of the latency that seemed far more positive than some of the hands-on I saw from people that were at the show. Um, so yeah, like it's, it seems like a lot of those tests, I assume digital foundries tests were in a very controlled environment. But right. But like data caps are a big deal, right? Because we have, we, you know, we live in the fucking middle of nowhere and we have, we have Comcast well, and we, we're data capped and dealing like, dude, like ha- the thought of having to deal, because Zach, you know that there is going to be, there is going to be, some there's gonna be wrangling with isps over this and there's there are going to be package deals and fucking like you know pay a premium and you know we'll you know we'll raise your data cap and i i can see isps completely taking people to the fucking cleaners over shit like this well so so like here's um here's the thing right i think that streaming is inevitable um but i but i think that in the meantime in 2019 data caps and frankly, during during this administration, when, when we have um, King Shit at uh, Agit Pie uh, fucking up the FCC, uh, we will not mm-hmm. see, uh, you know, we will not see the government use internet as a utility to limit ISPs' ability to limit uh, our data each month. Um, and so, so when the FCC doesn't work in our favor, uh, you know, we have things like data caps, and that limits 
the adoption of tech like this, um, and it and it puts a, a chokehold on us as as an adoption rate, right? I think this is inevitable, um, but I think that the infrastructure needs to be there to support it, and I don't think it is yet, which sucks because I I genuinely think. Like right now, I, I have I have the speeds to handle this at 4K. I do not have the bandwidth. I, I have one terabyte a month uh, on my internet, and I don't even know if they have unlimited where I live. Well, not so. o- not only that. Here's like there are two other issues at play here that that jumped out to me immediately, and I'll we'll ta- I'll, I'll tackle one, and then we can talk about that, and I'll I'll bring up the other one. But the first one is, I think we need to talk about ownership. Right, because I, 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 yeah, I own all my games. I've, I've got some. I, I own a few physical copies. Most of my copies are digital, but I own them. I have the licenses for them. Um, I, I own those games. I can play them whenever I want. I, and maybe we just don't know enough yet about the service John, itself. John, it's going to be the same as your Xbox, or, or I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't think so, man. Like, how can it, it be? How can? But no, Zach, how can it be? If I'm watching a streamer play a game. Or I'm watching a YouTube video and it says click here to play the game now. Yeah. They, they they click that button and it launches right into the game. Now, John, granted, we don't know enough about how much it works, but I think there's John, a it, real it, issue of John, ownership here. John, they streamlined that for a press conference purpose. I I very much promise you that uh, there will not there will yeah. be a prompt. There will be a prompt at some point. Now I'm not saying like they might it might work like they showed, but after about ten minutes, they will give you a prompt to pay them. John, you yeah, will be paying gonna, them. Yeah, yeah. Don't you might worry. have to watch an ad. You might have to have a subscription. We don't know exactly what the pricing mm-hmm. model is yet, it's which is also the li- big it's question mark. Google, dude. Like I. But I, John, so the the pricing model, you can already know. Publishers aren't going to give up their content to a Google streaming service for less than they can get for that same content elsewhere. I, I think we're going to. I think these these dreams people have of this utopia of free gaming. They're gonna get get, get rudely <laughs> awakened at some point. Wait, Matt, you mean to tell me that as games are getting more expensive to make, I can't just play them for free after watching? I don't watching believe that YouTube shit ad? for a fucking second. That's yeah, no, 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 no. I but, don't know. John, <laughs> but but John, John, I very much promise you that these games will probably have a traditional pricing model. The way you the way you start them up might be different, but they will probably have a traditional pricing I model. I think we, there's we going might, to be a subscription model. We might model. see. No, I mean maybe, maybe, but like it might be like Game Pass. It, it could be. We might see, but I think it'll. I think there'll be variations. I think we might see free to play games that have ads. I think we might see games where you pay sixty bucks up front, and I think we might see games where you pay a lump sum and you kind of have, um, you know, you kind of have a Game Pass model. No, but it's going to be. They no also could what, do stuff like it's going to be. A they could also do something oh, like no. Origin Access, where you can. You can stream up to a certain point yeah. as like a demo, it and then pay. Just sounds so unappealing to me. I mean, I don't. But John, but John, that like there are so like listen. I will concede that there are a million issues and a million reasons to be hesitant about this. But I promise you, the licenses are not what you should be worried I, okay, about. Okay, so okay, yeah, so, we, we need a we need a betting board, boys. We need a we betting do. board. Yes, okay. We do. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. I think it's going to be a fucking subscription service. I think the writing's on the wall here. <laughs> My bet is a $60 game on Xbox One or PS4 is a $60 game on, on this service, at least for the first few months. Mm. Yep. That, that'll Same. be my bet. No, I, no, I don't think I so. think that's going to be how it I starts until they have enough so. games. Because um, that kind of brings, I, that kind of transitions into something else I wanted to talk about is we know Ubisoft is going to have Assassin's Creed Odyssey on there. We know Bethesda is going to have Doom Eternal on there. However, um, this is something that I wasn't expecting, is that the Stadia servers do require their own specific builds of the game. I was initially expecting it to be, you know, just running on, just running the PC version of a game. 
um, that adds kind of an extra wrench into it because these games have to be ported to the Google Stadia, which it sounds like it's a relatively easy port. It's, you know, pretty standard hardware. However, um, that is extra work for the development teams. Um, that's an extra layer of compatibility that now has to be added in. Um, like if it was just running a PC version of the game, you know, there wouldn't be any work on the developer's end and it would allow there to be a lot more games right off the bat. Now, um, I'm, I imagine Google's probably spending a lot of money to get some big games there day and date, but like, we don't know how long that'll keep up. We don't know. Um, so I guess how often that'll be, um, so like that was that was I think probably my biggest surprise um about what this platform is and the area where I'm kind of most concerned because I think that might end up being where um you know where they kind of hit some stumbles. So I, I let me just say this, I totally agree with Matt in that I think that they will they will do $60 for big games. I do not think you will listen Fallout 76 aside, I think Bethesda relatively... <laughs> I, think, I think they're pretty good at keeping the, their finger on the pulse. And I think they would not subject their players to an experience. Doom is a game where, where they have a very specific design philosophy and they want players to be in that design philosophy. And they're not going to stop that, John, for you to sit through an ad. I promise. Okay, so, like, they so... will have you pay for it. But, no, hang on. Let me finish. Mm. I think that largely you'll be paying for your, your big AAA games. I think it's also possible they have a 5 or $10 subscription model where you will play indie games uh, at the same time. That that will, like, uh, similar to Game Pass. Okay, so, so, um, so Zach, Zach, consider this. Mm-hmm. This is, this is okay. for everybody, okay? The other, the other, the other thing that leaped out to me immediately is that I guarantee you, they are going to lean extremely heavy on the streamer audience starting out, right? Like, well, like, yeah. Be, I mean, be, yep. So, but here's the thing: if you so what, what, what do what do streamers depend on more than anything else? They depend on views, right? They need people to watch their content, or else they're not making money. Okay, they're not getting hits. They're not. They're not getting ad revenue. They're not making money. Okay, so if you click that button, if you're watching, like for example, let's just use Sekiro as an example. Let's pretend this thing is already here, and I'm watching, you know, a fucking, you know, streamer X play Sekiro, and I'm like, oh, this looks great. After about 20 minutes, I want to try this, and I click that, click here to play now button or whatever they're gonna do it right. That streamer is gonna lose that view because I'm not watching his stream anymore. I'm going to play the game that he's streaming. Yeah, and, but John, if that player buys it, it, it's just like it's just like referral links through uh through through Twitch. If that player yeah. buys it, that guy's gonna get a, a cut of that, uh, you know, a slice of that pie. But and I feel story. like this is also uh, going to be how you um Google gets more people streaming on YouTube. Yep. Um, instead of Twitch, um, I can almost see different streaming services having different partnerships with different uh with different video streaming companies like. Uh, Microsoft has xCloud coming out. Microsoft also has Mixer. I will. I expect xCloud and Mixer to have this kind of integration. Um, yep. I could so, see Sony partnering up with Twitch for like future iterations of PlayStation Now. Um, so, you know, but there's, there's yes, I think Google is going to be leveraging this with um, the gaming side of YouTube quite a bit. Well, and that's the thing, Justin, is that like Sam, I was going to say, Sam actually just pointed out in chat. He said, YouTube recommended gaming videos are going to get even more annoying. And oh, I, oh yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think we can all undeniably admit that like one of the, one of the weirdest things here is like, 
they left a lot of grace. They, like this, this was a lot of the positives, obviously, as you'd expect for an announcement, but they didn't answer a lot of questions. And one of those things is what are you going to do with my data, right? They kicked off their conference by talking That's about how thing, they're using yeah. data to make the world better, but how are they going to use user data? And I, I don't think that means that we'll give you free games in exchange for your data. I just think it means what are we going to be scumming off of our users as they, as they, yep. you know, play these games and, and what kind of things are we going to, you know, we are already seeing YouTube algorithms at play and how those things can kind of get, um, fucked around with uh, on YouTube algorithms, and I'm interested to see how that's influenced with games, but I I, I, I am skeptical of how they use how they use my data. But John, I, I think that right. I think you're a little too nervous about licenses, bud. Oh, I, I I don't think I am. And I and like okay. there's 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 other things to be concerned about as well. Like I, again, like I, like it's it sounds like I'm really down on it, but I'm not that enthusiastic about this. Like my I, my my yeah. one issue with the license thing isn't so much for third-party games that are available on other platforms. It's for the stuff that Google's that Google is going to be releasing. Sure, yeah. Um, because Google specifically has said um, they have a team being led by Jade Raymond um, to make games exclusively for Stadia, which um, Jade Raymond has a wonderful track record in the game industry. Sounds like cool games that I would like to play. Um, and you know, I'd probably if the only way to play it is on Stadia, I'll probably try it out via Stadia. However, Google also has a track record of if things aren't as successful as they need to be, closing it. Um, and given the server infrastructure needed for something like Stadia, I I don't know how long that will last. But then after that, um, you know, their own their own games are going to disappear without any other way of playing them, which I think that is more of a concern to well, me, especially well, and, if they're good games. When that's a conversation that's happening in chat right now, Justin, is game preservation and what well, this but, does. But, to... what I, but, what I, but I mean, is that any different? I mean, sure, it could be sooner or much later, but is that any different than Nintendo closing the Wii shop? I, I think I it mean, could be. I think I think it could be worse. I mean, I mean, but the thing is, homebrew people have been able to extract some of those games that were that were only available on the eShop. There's going to be sure. no way of there's going to be no way of getting around that, whether it's legal or not. Okay, um, so, so here's my question, right? I want to throw this to Matt. Like, granted, we don't know that we there are still so many unknowns about this. Like, with like it was a, it was. I, by the way, can I just say, like, I I love the I I love the whole you know. Here I am, you know, I, I'm not, I'm introducing our new gaming service. I'm not much of a gamer. Just going to be upfront with you. Like, I don't play a lot of games, but I'm here to talk about our gaming service. That, that just, that just, that really, that really made me chuckle. Um, but uh, it's not a big deal. I just, I, I love that. I, I kind of, I was like, oh man, that, that's fantastic. But Matt, from a, from an engagement perspective, because, you know, you're the sales expert here. Um, and, and granted, I, I know that, you know, this is, you know, you can only, you know, you don't have a crystal ball and we only know so much right now. And well, I'm sure we'll know more. I, I'm guessing at E3, we'll get a big Google presentation. We'll get a price and, and an actual model as to how you categorize your games and or what your library is going to look like. But I have said for a long time that I don't think that this industry can sustain four consoles. Like there's always been three, right? Be it Sega, Nintendo and PlayStation or Xbox, Nintendo and PlayStation. Um, I don't think this. I don't think this industry has ever been able to sustain to ever been able to sustain more than three platforms. And even though it's a streaming service, right now I would consider it a I would consider it a fourth platform. And so I'm wondering, Matt, do you think that this is going to pull people away from the traditional consoles? 
do you think that there was, I, I guess to kind of sum it all up, do you think Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft should be worried about Stadia? Uh, okay, a lot of questions. Uh, so the idea behind these initiatives and the ones that are still to come um, are going to be to get past the traditional console size audience uh, to the billions of people. So theoretically, uh, are some of the are, are the streaming services going to compete with the traditional consoles in some sense? Yes, but this is really trying to go after those people where the upfront cost of the console was a barrier to entry to begin with. Um, and there are a lot of those people. So that console audience, the, the folks that are willing to pay two, three, four hundred dollars for a console, put it under their TV, play it uh, more dedicated uh, in a more dedicated fashion, that's one group. But then you have the 75% of people that play games that don't play on consoles, that primarily play mobile. That's who they're going after with this. So, so for folks like Nintendo, uh, Microsoft, and Sony, each of them are going in a different direction with this. Like Microsoft's going to be right there with a service that it, I think is going to be better. Um, Sony is still uh, TBD on how they're going to, to react to this. I think they're really riding high on their recent success. And I don't think they're going to want to rock that boat too much in the short term. Um, they're going to continue to focus on big single player experiences, the more traditional console experience and, and, in my estimation, I think that's the way they're going to go. And Nintendo, I mean, we're talking about already. They're they're moving in into a different direction. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they have anything to worry about. Um, ultimately, if these streaming services are going to succeed, they're going to succeed by grabbing people who wouldn't otherwise be in these ecosystems, or or offering the people that are an alternative when they're on the road or not at their home system. Can I can I just say? Um... I think one of the and Matt Matt touched on this. Like I think one of the best things about Google's announcement is because there are so many question marks, and because they're trying to launch this year, and we know at least Microsoft is trying to probably do the same, or maybe they'll push it till next year. Um, I think that I think that a lot of our concerns, whether they're about licensing or um, or they're about pricing models or whatever, I think the best thing or, or how data is used, frankly, frankly, uh, is that there will be competition here where. Um, if Google was doing, going to do some shady shit monet, from your monetization or data perspective, Microsoft would be right there with an alternative that's like, oh, we're not going to do that and we're going to offer you the same thing, which is really what we saw with, with uh, PlayStation 4 and, and Xbox One's original DRM so, policy, right? Like, and, I think competition will yeah. be what drives a user-friendly policy here in the long run. So speaking and, of competition, I've got a question for the whole group. I have a question for the whole group. Really, right? really quick. No, no, no. Hang on, John. I, I, I think John's going to actually say one of the things I was going to say right okay. now so well, go ahead okay. well let's find okay. out justin let's find out sorry i didn't i didn't see you trying to get a, uh, a word in there um, um so i i have another little thing i want to say uh kind of towards the end of this conversation okay. but the next bit i want to go into is the competition the streaming service competition which i think is what john was starting sort to talk of about. Um, so at I this point um we have so streaming uh, video services like we have with Netflix, Amazon, um, Hulu and stuff have kind of started getting to a point where now there's a lot more competition entering in. Now um, Apple is working on a service. Disney Plus is launch launching this year. Um, it kind of took a while to get to this point, but now kind of everybody wants a slice of that pie. And we're kind of seeing that start really early with these game streaming services. 
um, because right now, um, Sony already has PlayStation Now, and I imagine they will be overhauling that in the future. Um, Google clearly has announced Stadia. Microsoft has talked about xCloud. EA and Ubisoft have said that they want their own streaming services. Um, Walmart, fucking Walmart has, streaming service, baby, I'm has all expressed over it. has expressed interest in it. Amazon has expressed interest. Oh, you know the base, you um, know the base is going to get in there. Yeah, like it, it's um, it's going to get wild. <laughs> so, so, um, and I think at like at some point there's going to be like kind of even crazier platform wars between streaming services than there are hardware because I don't think people will want to subscribe to that many services or have just that um you know kind of like just not you know that disjointed of a library so that's sort of the direction i was going to go but i so like so so my, my question justin does have to do with competition but kind of in a different manner or so right now I could I can turn on my PS4 is right there, right? I can go turn it on right now and I can use my controller to navigate to a browser. I can go to YouTube, I can go to Twitch, I can watch shit. In theory, <laughs> I could play that shit on my PS4 right there with the PS4 controller, right? On my couch. There's nothing stopping me from doing that. Um so my question is is do you think that do you think that Microsoft and Sony will institute some kind of stopgap to prevent you from using Stadia on their browser on their console? Because um, that, to me, that, like it would feel, if I was in charge, like if I was Phil Spencer or 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 if I was, you know, Shuhei Yoshida, I'm not sure I would want somebody utilizing another service I, on my console. Um, I kind of, I, I highly doubt that it would be something that, like, it's not going to be a, an app that would go on an Xbox or, or a, I mean, I, I, I highly doubt that it will be an app on a PS4 or an Xbox One. Well, I, I mean, there is, be... there, there is a YouTube app. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so Stadia only works through Chrome? Is that Stadia what Sam is saying? only works through Chrome. So unless okay. Google implements it in their YouTube apps, like they have, um... I, which I'm so not hold sure on. will does it happen. Not, does it not work on Firefox or like, I mean... No, it's or, Chrome. It is Google Chrome. Chrome you have to be using Chrome to use okay. Stadia. Yep. Interesting. That is the, that is the, I mean, it's, it is, you know, it's, it's That's not That's the hardware, platform. But that, yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. But, but I mean, I, I would see, I would be, you are more likely to see this become a application on a smart TV than you are yeah, to see sense. it become yeah. an app on a console. Right. So, like, what do you guys think? Like, do you think this guy? I mean, guys, and and this is this is for Matt too. Like, do you guys think this is just gonna be like a fucking like like a Steam library or like like assuming that I'm wrong? Like, let's just assume I'm wrong on the subscription thing, and it's not gonna be like the Netflix service of games. Um, like when you buy a game, um, is are you just gonna like is 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 this just gonna be Steam? Like, are you just gonna log into to to whatever service you're doing and and because. That's what we don't know, right? Like, because all they did was they showed us a, they showed us somebody playing, you know, watching a video of Assassin's Creed on YouTube or Twitch or whatever it was. And then they click the button and all of a sudden they're playing it. They're they're in the game and playing it. And it's super, super impressive. And, and I get that. But if I'm not watching a video of Assassin's Creed on a stream or on a YouTube, it'll have YouTube, a storefront. How do I, that, that's my, so, it'll, so but, there'll but, be a, John, there will be a storefront. But, I'm no, sure. okay, but, but, but here's my question though, Zach. Like, aside from clicking on the video, and and playing the game like what is the difference between this and 
and and and steam like i mean i can i i, I just i don't you don't download anything i mean like that that's the gimmick john, john it's it's just that you don't download it right i mean like that you don't download it you can use it on any device you can yeah. use it anywhere as long as you have an internet connection that's the difference well not quite any device well like, not quite anywhere yeah, yeah. i was gonna say well, there's some limitations gonna be, like there's going to be a lot of restrictions, but I think, John, I think that's the way it's going to go, though, is you're going to, I mean, just because of the rights management and making sure that everyone gets paid that's supposed to get paid, you're going to have to have a library. You're going to have to click some button saying purchase or add to my library. And if you can launch it through YouTube, it's probably going to be because you'd already have that in your library at some point and it just clicks it right over and it launches it. I mean, people still got to get paid in this whole mess. Yeah. So, so one thing I wanted to kind of, um, bring up is i know like in general i've raised concerns all of us i think are a little down probably particularly because of google's implementation uh google's involvement in um the stadia but um i have been doing some tests lately with the um remote play app for the ps4 that just launched on ios um and it's interesting and like that kind of gives me an idea for what I think could be really cool from the streaming services from Microsoft and Sony. And I think, you know, a way that would give them kind of a leg up on somebody like Google, which is kind of a, an extension of your console. Basically they already have cloud save backups and stuff. Like imagine, you know, once you have a game, um, on your, uh, but, um, like say just on your PlayStation, I'm just going to keep using that as the example. Cause I, you know, was playing with the remote play app, you know, you can stream, stream the game leap from where you left off. If you want to do some grinding in a game, you know, save it and then come back to it on your console or something later. Um, like I think the idea of streaming services kind of being an extension of the console in your living room and kind of, you know, almost acting as like, you know, the switch part, part of your console could be really really cool um as well as having that the same um you know kind of easy accessibility that a, the streaming services would have for you know people outside of these ecosystems um i think that could be neat um and i do think that has real potential um yeah, yeah. and what? i think i th I, I so i kind of want to just put like out like that kind of you know vision and idea as you know ways that i think streaming could really you know, kind of boost the console ecosystem. Right. And I, and I think like ultimately that, that is the leg up that, that um, Sony, Microsoft, and maybe one day Nintendo would have is that somebody is established and feels comfortable in that ecosystem. And they're not adding another thing, right? Like, like Disney plus will probably be a great offering, but like, if you ask me today, if I would rather it show up on my Hulu or my Netflix, or do I want to sub to a fourth service? Like I'm going to kind of want the, the existing yeah. service that I'm on. Right. But I mean, I, I think that's I think that's the biggest limitation. You know, guys, we are kind of running close to our time. We've got a couple more, you know, housekeeping things. But really quick, I want to hear um, what would make you feel more comfortable, or or better yet, what does Google need to tell you at E3 to reassure you, or at least make you feel slightly more comfortable about their platform uh, ahead of its launch? Uh, I want to throw it first to Brandon. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay, you want okay. <laughs> I want to throw throw Google money at it to make it happen. <laughs> okay. Okay. John, oh, you're, you're the most nervous. I, I will I will pay Comcast fifty dollars a month to uncap my internet. <laughs> 
John, you're the most nervous here. What's it going to take to make you feel a little bit more comfortable, bud? If uh, if Google throws some money at Square Enix to get Final Fantasy VI on Switch, I'll feel a lot better about it. <laughs> okay. Money hats all around. If they can, if okay. they can make that happen for me. If Google can somehow money hat a Octopath Traveler style remake of Final Fantasy VI on Switch, I will happily play all my other games on Stadia. Aside from that, I don't really care about it. Okay. How about how about you, Matt? So these are these are two perfect examples. It'll it'll all depend on content. We can talk all about how we like or don't like certain aspects of the offering, but it'll come down to content and it'll come down to monetization, and that's what uh, are the missing pieces right now. Okay. How about you, Justin? Um, yeah. So content pricing are the big ones. Also, I want to know about the quality of the streaming video because I am a stickler for picture quality. I watch 4K 60 YouTube on my TV all the time. Oh, fucking big, it does big not, high it roller does, over here. I have a TV that supports <laughs> it. Like it's not like it's not that special, John. I know, man. Like, I know. Um, but like it looks nowhere near the level of quality of playing a game natively. Um, and you know, I I have downloaded some of the comparisons, and it Stadio very much looks like watching a YouTube video of a game. I want to know if that's going to improve. If yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. If if Google could get SDGC on Stadia, I would be I would okay. happily happily so, subscribe to that. So John, John, you get ready to thank thank our new our new patrons. But first, I I want to talk about what what I think would make me feel a little bit co- more comfortable. And I and I think that this won't happen. But whatever, I would like Google to address the elephant in the room, which is data caps in the United States. And I would like for them to either ha- have a way to work around that or announce partnerships or add-ons with current ISPs to help you circumvent that. Um, I I mean, and that's just my personal thing is, is and yeah, I think the data is a big deal too, but I just think even if, even if there was a great exclusive that I want, um, I could only play it for 20 hours uh, before I hit my data cap and I can't use my internet for anything else that month. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think data caps are what makes me the most, most nervous right now, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't think those are things that Google is going to address. Yeah. I think those no, are going to, I, yeah. the data thing, we know Google, they won't talk about it. And the data cap thing is just going to be that, them shrugging their shoulders and saying, not my problem. Well, and I, I think it'll be interesting and potentially a rude, uh, a rude awakening for, for some Americans, because as Matt said, this isn't really going after your hardcore Xbox or PlayStation or Nintendo yeah. players or PC players. It's going after your mobile users. And I wonder how many mobile users who, who not exclusively, but, but do skew to a younger audience, actually know that they have a data cap or do they know that their parents have a data cap? And will they will they try the new Assassin's Creed on their phone and just blow through it? Uh, if I mean, because I didn't know I had a data cap until like August of this year. Um, so those kind of things. Comcast does a really cool thing where they just like send you an email when you hit it. It's very cool. Um, <laughs> <That sounds> amazing. <laughs> it's very scam. cool to to pay Comcast. I love every month. Comcast. It's so good. Zach, uh, I, okay, I gotta, so I got to ask you: yeah. Is there anything else that makes you nervous? Like not about Stadia, but just like in general, like. Uh yeah, big spiders. Um, do you ever get nervous yeah. that like I'm gonna start like Final Fantasy port begging out of nowhere in the middle? No, of the I know I'm like, not. I'm not nervous about it because you're always gonna do it, John. It's it's a constant in my life. 
John, listen, I'm sleepy and I want to catch oh, one episode of the Americans before bed. Can you can you can you can you bring us down? Can you can you bring us down and also thank our, our sweet new patrons? I can do it. I can do it. And thank I'll, you. I'll lower my voice a little bit because it is getting late and I want to lull people into slumber with the the low the low purr of my of my of my voice here. So I'll I'll get my best uh, I'll get my best Derek going here if he's still in the chat we do have a patreon now of course and uh we've got we've already got some patrons and i wanted to take a minute and and thank everybody who has subscribed uh so far so far to to give us this this trash fire their uh their their hard-earned money so uh i want to thank uh, uh julian uh i want to thank uh, constantly calibrating uh that would be uh, that would be josh silverman uh shane johnson tim k uh our friend Mitty. Uh, Spencer Neptonic Lynch, uh, another one of our mods, uh, Rar, uh, Nicholas Downey, who of course is on the Inner Circle, uh, John Wall, uh, our buddy Wout, uh, the hashtagonist. Uh, I want to thank Somewhat Groovy, uh, Hussein Unsal, uh, the Iron Lords podcast, also part of the Inner Circle network, uh, Mike Queen, and Pintful of Tokens. I don't know Pintful of Tokens. I've no I know the name. I feel like I should know who Pintful of Tokens is. Um, but I apologize. Out. I don't. Um, if, you, if you do want to support us, uh, we would, uh, again, I just want to stress, we don't gate any of our content as of right now. Uh, we are not going to put anything behind a paywall for you as of right now. Um, any support you give us is out of the goodness of your heart. And if you want to, there's no stress uh, for anybody. We're not going to pressure you to do it. Uh, however, if you do, there's a link right there on our Twitch page at the bottom. Uh, if you want to click on that and throw a few dollars our way and uh, maybe help us get some better equipment and uh, help us with some travel costs, we would really appreciate that. Speaking of travel, next week is a very big week for us. Uh, PAX East is coming up and this is going to be the first time there's going to be six of us there. And this is going to be the first time that some of us have ever met each other in person after doing this for years. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we've got a lot planned. Uh, and of course, uh, don't forget to, oh, we're, we're going to try to do something live while we're there. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what form that's going to take. It might just be us goofing off in our, in our hotel room. Cause it's going to be what? Six dudes, uh, two beds, no rules. It's, it's going to, it's going to be wild. Passions are going to run high. Sparks are going to fly. Like who knows what's going to happen in that hotel room. Uh, but what happens in that hotel room will not stay in that hotel room because we're going to do something for you guys live. It's going to be great. Uh, that'll be Thursday night. <laughs> oh my God. That sounds awful. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. no Brandon, it's beautiful. Brandon, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's streaming live on Pornhub. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I just, no, I want another God. moment. I want a moment like the first, our first PAX East visit when it was me and Maddie and Finn and they were playing one, two switch and they were playing that cow milking game where you're, you know, you're moving the joy cons up and down to milk the udders. And Maddie just looks right at Finn. And he says, you fucking look me in the eyes when you're milking. And, uh, it was, it was really just a beautiful moment. Uh, just a, just a, a powerful moment between, between two friends. And I hope that we're able to recreate that somehow at PAX East next week. And I would also remind everybody uh, to please tune in. Uh, on April 11th, uh, because Greg Miller from Kind of Funny Games Cast is going to be joining us that night, and it's going to be fucking wild. It's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. Zach, you look like you want to say something real quick. No, I was just going to say, John, before you sign us off, uh, I wanted to thank Matt again for his time tonight. Um, yes. Really appreciate it. And also, I mean, listen, it takes a lot to tolerate an hour and a half of John. We really appreciate it. It really does. Uh, it, it's a, it is. It, you can you can file us on your taxes as community service. You've done a lot. Uh, Matt, where can people find you on Twitter if they're not already following you? 
Uh, I am on Twitter at Matt Piscatella with one T and Matt uh, or search for NPD. I'm usually around there. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. I just want to point out Dio in chat says we need the milking video. Oh, you're going to get the no. milking video, Dio. John, it's, it's bring happening. us home. It's happening. It's the, mil- the milking video. The milking video is coming. Uh, yes. Uh, yes, Rar. Uh, Rar. Rar missed that. Yeah, we're not going to we're not going to announce on our Twitter until the week of just because we don't want to, you know, you know, be better to kind of drop that on a Monday or something. But yes, Greg Miller will be on SDGC on uh, April 11th, unless he listens to this podcast, then he might not. Uh, but anyway, True. Um, <laughs> I know. Right. But uh, as always, everybody, uh, please check us out at PAX next week. And if you're going to be there, uh, let us know. Come we'd say hi. To, we'd love to give you a hug, uh, shake your hand, uh, hang out with you. So. Yep, let us know. And oh my God, the shit and chat is going downhill. So I will conclude this with it's not always poetry and we don't always agree, but we always keep it real. So until next week, everybody, please take care of each other. Be good to each other. We'll see you later.